Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. On our last episode, we posed the quintessential ADHD question. Why do I not do what I know I ought to do? And Cam began to set up a metaphor that describes the ADHD challenge of linking effect to real cause. So today we're going to continue that conversation. Last week, we kind of got to distinguishing between cause and effect, and we stayed in effect. This week, we're going to try and get a little closer to cause. So Cam, you want to kick us off here and continue on with your metaphor? Sure, Shelley. I think that we got way into the metaphor. You know, that's, that's a metaphor that's relevant for me. I used to lead uh, kid trips out in the Pacific Northwest. I've been to Mount Rainier many a time. Um, I took my kids to Mount Rainier this past summer because I wanted them to see ice in the lower 48, right? So it's relevant for me. Um, I love the mountains. Some of you might be thinking, you know what, Cam? I don't like the mountains. And that metaphor doesn't work for me, right? So it's not really about that metaphor. What the metaphor does is it illustrates this process. And if you start to appreciate this process with respect to ADHD and cause and effect, then we can start to get insight around this this singular dilemma that Shelley just stated. This is the uniform or singular dilemma that, that we struggle with. So if you have a piece of paper, I want you to pull it out. And if not, well, maybe to look in the program notes and we might have a little schematic there, okay? But there's basically four parts to this model. And what I wanna do is break it down into the actual, just the, the framework. All right, so we have four parts and on your piece of paper, start with this sort of, uh, it can be sort of like a radiating outward that we've got this glitchy executive function activity. We're just going to, we're going to come back to that later and look at that. But last week we talked about the spirograph, the Rubik's cube, right? That that Rubik's cube, the two by Rubik's cube, just with eight blocks can, with all the different combinations, create 3.7 million possibilities, right? And that's the interesting thing that happens with ADHD. So there's some very basic, straightforward challenges related to executive function. The Brown model is a very helpful one to look at there. We can put that in the program notes. So this is this, uh, in a way, if you like the ocean, it's kind of like a glitchy wave propagator, right? And so you have this, you know, wave propagator that is sending out waves in concentric rings. And as they go out, they get bigger and bigger. And so at some point, you know, we tend to be way out on the, on the edge, kind of in this ocean swell, feeling the effects of these waves, but we don't really, we can't see how they're generated, right? And remember last week we talked about this, that our ADHD is running all the time, right? It's on board. And it's that perfect machine that disrupts our ability to uh, link habits, to take learning and apply it forward. 
and create sustainable change. It's the perfect machine that disrupts our ability to link cause and effect. And if you're there scratching your head saying, what is he saying? Bear with me here, right? Bear with me because it could be the ADHD at work, right? So there are four parts to this model, right? And I'll lay out the framework and then I'm going to put my Mount Rainier model back on top of that. And I want to tell a story because I think the story piece is really relevant here. Okay, so you've got your little wave propagator right in the middle. And from there, there's this sort of cause area, the causation, right? In the sense of, say, a glitchy prioritizer. I have this prolific idea generator, right? That's generating, that is part of the cause, and that generation emanates outward into the area of effect. Okay, so there's the cause area. It tends to be kind of slippery. That's why I have the Mount Rainier with, a, with the icy slopes. Then away from it is this sort of deep valley, kind of sticky, stuck places where we can get kind of stuck into uh, chasing stems, uh, feeling down, right, in a sort of a deep, dark valley. If you've ever been in the Pacific Northwest, it's there, it is uh, the place where there are um, temperate rainforests, right? You can't even see the sky. And so it's dark, it's disorienting, and there you are out in the land of manifestation. And why it emanates outward in 360 degrees is because one person's experience of ADHD can be very different than another person's experience. But it all comes back to this singular executive function. I don't want to say necessarily breakdown. I do want to say that it's some very basic challenges around regulation and management of six areas. Attention, memory, effort, emotion. And I don't have the other two right now because I'm my working memory's not working. So. <laughs> Your faulty memory is my faulty memory, in. but but we'll we'll put it in the notes. We'll get it in the notes, people. Shelly didn't hire me for my amazing memory, okay? No. Or my working memory. Thank goodness, right? right. So so here's the other the the fourth, right? So we've got the 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 glitchy of executive function, right? You've got the slippery cause area, and then you've got the kind of the the quagmire sticky. Uh, effect area where we get stuck. It's hard to get out of. And then between that cause and effect, last week I talked about the lunch counter, right? The lunch counter where we kind of can get to, we can kind of see, get a sense that we get close to cause, but we're not really seeing into the kitchen, right? We're not seeing behind that uh, up the slopes of Mount Rainier for me, right? And we were going to, we we're going to dig into the lunch counter at another in another episode. But that lunch counter, here's the thing, it's, it's not just your typical lunch counter, right? It is a formidable barrier. You know, think about the wall in Game of Thrones, right? That giant, yeah, I don't know how many hundred feet that was, ice wall, right? That keeps the people of the north out or, you know, the gates of Mordor, right? I mean, it's like this formidable thing that's really hard to get through. Um, if it was easy, we'd all be in cause and understanding how our ADD is impacting us. So I'm getting a little excited, Shelly. So. It's okay. So I'm going to back up for just one second and 
give a little refresher here. So we're down in effect, which is in the valleys outside of Mount Rainier and the lunch counter or the wall or the gates of Mordor, take your pick, take your surround pick. Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier being where we start to get to cause, where we start to really understand our experiences in a way that allow us to create change. And again, if you don't like this metaphor, you can come up with another way to describe this, right? The idea here is that there is a barrier, a not insignificant barrier between effect and what happens to us because of ADHD and seeing the real causes. Right. So let me tell a story. But before that, I want to just read off Brown's six areas, right, around challenges. Activation, focus, effort, emotion, memory, and action. And we can put the Brown model in the, in the program notes. So thank goodness for Google, right? <laughs> I want to tell a story that, again, as coaches, we're very curious about motivation. We're very curious about incentive. And I want to say, I want to go back to last week, Shelly, when you were talking about your issue with procrastination is it, that it means that there's some kind of intentionality there and there's no intentionality with respect to ADHD, right? And it's, it's sort of like this, that your child, let's say your child has ADHD. They're not getting up in the morning and saying to you, you know what, mom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget my lunch for the fourth time in a row today. Right? I'm going to do that. Right? Are they really doing that? I don't think so. Right? That the husband who is walking out the door to go to work and telling his wife, spouse, honey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to avoid my work all day. And then I'm going to scramble at five o'clock. And I'm going to forget about our dinner plans at seven. Are they really wanting to do that? No, right? That kid, that man, they're wanting to be successful. It is just something that is inherent in all human beings. We want to go out and match action with intention. And this is where ADD just throws a giant wrench in the whole game. So, when I was in, I just want to tell a story about my first day of, of Algebra 2 with Miss May. And I, I love Miss May. She was one of my favorite teachers in high school. And 10 minutes into class, she looks at me and announces to the whole class, oh, we're, we're not even 10 minutes in and, and Cam's checking out. Hello. Hello. Now, it's Miss May, and if it was someone else, I would feel, you know, very um, sensitive and embarrassed. But Miss May is was a buddy, and she liked me, right? But she wasn't gonna like just let that go, right? Now, was my intention to walk into class, right, and say, you know what, I'm gonna check out at at, at nine minutes and forty three seconds? Was that was that my intention? No, no Cam, was it? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but it, it wasn't. And so it's like often from the outside, it's sort of this, there's this sense of uh, will, right? You should be able to do something that you set your mind to. 
And then the neurotypical is very frustrated when they see that that person's not doing what they said they were going to do. And then they, they, they make an assumption. They, they don't understand it. And so then they, they fill in their thinking with an assumption. Oh, they must not care. Uh, they must not love me. They're just, you know, testing me, blah, blah, blah. But from my vantage point of sitting in that room, it wasn't so much that the algebra was, was not interesting. It's that I had an alternative that was much more interesting, right? And that alternative is my imagination. So just I want to take, again, this is sort of, I'm at effect here, but now looking back, I can see the cause. And so we're going to kind of get up above our metaphor and kind of look at how up on the high slopes of Rainier is my ADD impacting this experience, right? So take a vivid imagination, a glitchy attender, right? Attending to the situation. And so it's like this loose clutch that I just can easily slip into dream state, right? It's like that dream state in the Beatles song. Uh, what's the Beatles song, Shelley? What was a that? day in the life. Day in the life, right? So it's like it's going along and then all of a sudden it slips into this. La, 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 la. That one, you know, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Hey, that was pretty of good. Of course I know what you're talking about. Fish <laughs> covers that song. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. So that like shift, that automatic shift, that was my experience 57 times a day maybe 570 times a day where I'm going along and I'm there and I'm being with Miss May. And all of a sudden I shift into a whole nother world. And it's like my own little private movie house right there in my algebra two class. And I'm just like, I'm out in the woods. I'm skiing. I'm, you know, just in this world of imagination that was like technicolor surround sound. And I'm gone. I am gone. And so there I am, and I'm, guess what? Missing key information and learning. And so that's why I say that ADHD is a learning disorder because there are gaps in learning, right? And then we like, oh, what happened, right? Something's going to happen to bring me back. But again, I'm not intentionally wanting to not be there. Yeah. But I'm realizing that coming back, it's, okay, there's certain things that are at play that are propagating and making this happen. I got insight, you know, over the years, insight into the other side of that wall up the slope of my mountain. So Cam, do you mind if I share another example, one from my own life, just yes. to help our listeners sort of understand where we're coming from by giving a diversity of examples. Um, as you were talking about this, I was thinking about my mother and I and text messages and phone calls. Boy, my mom does not like it when I don't answer a text message or return a phone call, right? And for years, this is something that we would go round and round about, right? Why don't you answer my messages? Why don't you call me back? Why don't you love me? I'm worried about you, right? Are you still alive out there? What's going on? And the reason I like this example is the cause 
once I started to figure it out, comes from a couple of very different places. So effect is the same. I'm not answering text messages or phone calls, but cause can be from a couple of places. The first is hyperfocus or singular focus. So I tend to get something on my brain and I struggle when it's something big to pay attention to almost anything else, right? I'm launching a podcast right now. I'm sorry. I can't otherwise be a human because this podcast just lives in my brain and that is the only thing that I can focus on. I'm doing a big speaking engagement and I have to write this presentation. I'm sorry. I can't interact with you in any way because this is all I can care about right now, right? So I tend to get very singularly focused, right? That's cause number one, right? You're trying to communicate with me about something outside of what I'm singularly focused on and I can't deal with that right now or I feel like I can't deal with that right now, right? The second is when I go into what you and I previously named as Hoth, right? So when Cam was my coach, we came up with this metaphor for when I sort of disappear. And I'm sure almost everyone listening has seen Star Wars. So the metaphor was the closing of the doors on Hoth. And Cam, can you make the noise to, for emphasis? <laughs> oh boy, sure. Uh <laughs> Thank you. How was that? Um, you you I, did that when we I, came up with the metaphor. So I yeah, just, there's I I'm sure there's a Star Wars geek out there. Is like that's not the sound of the doors <laughs> off. Sorry, bud. Sorry. And this is the place that I tended to get to when my faulty activator had gotten to a point where I was in complete overwhelm, and my reaction was to hide. Right. So again, hiding from everything. So I might just be hiding from the work things I haven't done or the home things I haven't done. But when I close those doors, I am now hiding from everyone and everything and I am failing to communicate in any way. So two very, very different places, two very different causes that generate the same effect. And all my mom sees is you don't answer my messages. What the heck? And Sorry, I, mom, we, if you're listening, by the way. <laughs> so can we play with that a little bit with sure. this metaphor? Again, of the, the, this sort of, again, the glitchy Rubik's Cube where the executive function piece is moving into the cause area and into effect. Let's put Hoth out in effect, right? Because that's what you do is in the manifestation is, in a sense, in a state of overwhelm, you lose access to your prefrontal cortex, and your executive functions are saying, sayonara, we're taking a break. And so it can be this sort of a sense of um, overstimulated, right, is the cause, right, of too much activity, too much data coming over the transom. And it's just like, I, I'm just getting loaded up, right? It's like too much. And so need to check out. I need to shut down. What happens though with and I love that example because it's the it's how the manifestation in itself propagates even more, right? Is when you close the Hoth doors, even though that's about self-care and taking care of yourself, like I've had enough, 
I need a break, and you disappear. But when you disappear, guess what? You shut yourself off from resources. Yeah. Right? And so that's the thing about, again, it's like uh, we can go to a dark place and then it becomes even darker, right? It's that this is why ADD or ADHD is, it's, it's not just, you know, a, a tough day or a tough moment. It's we go into a dark place and there's a trap door in the bottom of that. And we go to an even darker, stickier, stuck place that's really, and then you have, you still have the, the challenges around activation, right? And then you're you know, demotivated. It's like, what's the point? And getting out of that kind of deep, deep valley or that, you know, it's like the, the hoth, but sealing yourself off and, and the oxygen, you know, it's not like there's good oxygen flow in there, right? Probably not. <laughs> you know, I mean, again, it's not, it's not a bad, it's, there's a, there's a, safety thing but it's not so much about renewal and recharge no not at all no yes. it's it's about hiding um right and so my faulty activator and my faulty prioritizer are what landed me there but those things are still faulty and now i'm in a sticky place so what the heck do i do from there what the heck does anyone do from there and that's right. kind of what we're trying to accomplish with this podcast is answering that what the heck do you do from there well let's let me ask you then how do you get out of Hoth? Well, the first step was naming it and giving it a name, right? And that's something that came out in work that I did with you as a coach. So being able to be aware that I'm in Hoth, right? Being able to distinguish, right? Sometimes I do need downtime and I do need to step away, right? But distinguishing between is this helpful stepping away or is this harmful stepping away right is this restorative or is this destructive right and then from there for me it became about having a few key people who know that term right i'm in hoth i'm about to close the doors my husband's aware of it my business partner is aware of it you're aware of it and I have a couple of friends that are aware of it. And the person I reach out to just depends on why I'm in Hoth. Which one of these key people can be a resource to me, right? Because the absolute hardest thing for me when I'm in that place is reaching out, communicating, interacting with other people. That's the very last thing I want to do, right? So having those crucial people that I can say that key phrase to, right? I'm about to close the doors to Hoth and knowing they'll know what that means and they'll show up for me. And you know what you're doing there? You're doing our um, understand, own, and translate, right? Is this getting perspective, naming where I am, understanding it, and then accepting it. Because that's another thing that we do is that we can... Like be in denial or again, fight that, right? Just like I'm, I'm going to fight this recognizing where I am and the actual situation. So, yeah, or being an embarrassment, right? Like being sure. ashamed to admit that I'm in this place. Right. Um, and then translating is translating to others. And again, as there's that internal translation too, 
is like in order to send a signal for help, you've got to, you know, craft that message yourself. What is it? Where am I? And what are my needs in order to move out of this place? So there's Shelley talks about Hoth. I think that again, there's some other areas. I'm going to name a couple that might that readers or excuse me, listeners might identify with. So I'm going to go. I'm still going with my Rainier, right? And and out into the these kind of valley and ridge, lots of trees, lots of dark canopy, but comparison canyon, right? So we are wired for external stimuli, and so causation, right? We're looking for external signals all the time and how that can manifest into is into rapidly comparing ourselves to others and thinking that we're somehow behind, right? Uh, that we're losing the race. And so that comparison of I should be ahead or I should be closer to them. And that puts us into a funk it, and it impacts our ability to gain perspective. So there's comparison canyon, there's rejection ridge, right? So last time we talked about uh, RSD, rejection sensitive dysphoria. Uh, rejection ridge is this place where we hang out again, this sort of hurt place where there's an actual physical pain of rejection that occurs. But again, and it's not all just ADHD, right? That's the other thing is that we're not saying that everything comes from the mountaintop. But the ADD part is a very specific, consistent, they're consistent actors that are not necessarily doing their job consistently. And it's just these couple of moves, right? It's that Rubik's Cube, but the different ways that they work with each other propagate out into these bigger challenges, right? There's also your, your upbringing, your history, um, and other issues that are going on that can, that can create that. I've always said that our ADHD is kind of like the enhancer, right? That it turns up the, our, our emotional response, right? Because emotional regulation, emotional response becomes kind of intense, right? You've ever had that experience where it's like this spike way high and then it's like back down again. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So rejection ridge. Um, oh, wow. You know, like, okay, we haven't even talked about addiction, right? but addiction alley. So we'll come back to addiction at another time, but there's a connection between ADHD and addiction because the whole idea of reward deficiency, a dopamine being uh, the, the neurotransmitter that is not in ample supply. So what do we do? We're, we're looking for dopamine. There's a whole area in that effect area where we're seeking dopamine, whether it might be through risky behavior or something else. But again, as I said last time, as you propagate out, as you move out into effect, the signal gets more intense. And what do we, what are we looking for? We're looking for the biggest signal, right? Oh, I got a great one. Playing the lottery. And I mean that metaphorical in the sense of, honey, this is it. This is the big idea. This is the thing that's going to like solve all of our problems. Right again, hyper focus, kind of a hopeful uh, future optimism that we tend to have, and again, it's a it's often that there's a breakdown between cause and effect, 
and not remembering that, oh, a month ago we were here with a different opportunity, right? There's a big connection between uh, entrepreneurialism and ADHD, right? This, oh, this is the idea, right? So that was one of my problems, Shelly, was that, again, back to me and my challenge around completing that I talked about, this is really fascinating. There's the, okay, ready for this? Causation. Glitchy prioritizer. This connected, like a little annex to my vivid imagination generator is an idea generator, right? A prolific idea generator. Anybody have that on board? A faulty concept of time. So a faulty concept of time, an idea generator, and this glitchy prioritizer. Think about how those three things that are all related to ADHD in that little tiny Rubik's Cube that's churning out, you know, again, not, not always working smoothly, manifests into problems around getting things done, right? Now, let's just layer onto that some rule that I made up or was given to me. Maybe it was probably given to me because I watched my dad. My dad... It was like a prolific doer. I mean, and and big time, <laughs> like big time cardiac surgery. Like you think about a cardiac surgery thing, like pacemaker, he was there, okay, making it happen. Artificial valves, he was there. He created the coatings that w- the blood would not coagulate on. Like, you know, so there's that model of be a prolific doer. I had a rule that, okay, any idea I had, I should, I should take action on and do. And if I didn't, that was a colossal failure. Do you see the problem there, though? Is it because of my ADD, I, didn't, I couldn't calculate that these ideas that would pop in a microsecond would take six or seven months to do. There was no concept of that. It was like, there's an idea, I should do it. And why am I not doing it? And oh, by the way, there's another idea. And there's another idea. And right, all these ideas are pop, popping up. We get overwhelmed and then ice door hoth, right? Shut down, overwhelm, disappear. I, I, I'm just going to check out. Yeah. And for my clients that have that prolific idea generator, and I have a form of that, but it's not. I wouldn't call mine prolific, right? I'm not, I'm not in the, on the same level as you when it comes to that. But I have a couple of clients that are. It's also a failure to distinguish, right? Which ideas deserve that attention and a failure to recognize the real timeframes involved. Not just how long will it take to do but how long will I need to do it consistently in order to really see whether or not this is going to work? And you and I have talked about this in terms of this podcast, right? Writing a blog, anything you do in your business, right? We can't just put out one episode and say, we did it, we're successful, okay. Everybody listen to that one episode. It's about consistency over time to see whether or not this is something that is worth doing over the long term. Right. And so, you know, the, 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 here's the good thing. It's because I know that people are out there thinking, okay, well, what do you do? 
right? How do you get, how do you open the doors to Hoth? How do you kind of deal with that prolific idea generator? Um, what I do is I, I give my ideas away. And a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, like, why are you doing that? It's like, that's intellectual property. Don't give that away, right? Aren't you afraid that someone's going to take your stuff? And I'm like, if I try to hoard my stuff, you know, or hold on to it, what does that mean? It means I have to track and manage, you know, and, and circle back. And I got to, I have to honor that flow and kind of pick the pieces that I want to work on, let the others go. Right. So first of all, just like, that's a great idea. That's and Oh, distinguishing the idea from the signal and the stimulation of that idea. Right. Is it the, right. Is it the, that pop, is it the actual idea or is it the little dopamine hit I just got <laughs> right. Distinguishing there. Then it's like letting go. And that's another thing that you know, that, that thing at the top of the mountain is a little, you know, it's like that little arcade game with the claw that you try to navigate. It's the glass box that I hate. And you drop it down on, pick up the, you know, the little fuzzy animal, right? And it, it doesn't ever pick up right and it doesn't release right, you know? That's, that's the executive function challenge, right? Of letting go of an idea. Letting go of a, like, that person doesn't like me. And this is why. And again, that idea generator is creating that, supersizing it. It's like, let's take this sort of stuff and supersize, right? With that emotional response. Pass those ideas off. Let them go over the waterfall, right? Or take some and share with others. Hey, have you thought of this? Take this. But not try to kind of build this giant dam and pull up all these ideas because then what happens is the it gets deep and dark and stagnant. And I have to honor the fact that that's going to flow and I got to let it go. And that's mm. okay. And to pick and choose the things that really matter. I think that we're going to come back to context and purpose and these structural elements that can help you manage these interesting elements that are at play in cause right? As we've been talking about here. I want to go back to Comparison Canyon for a second. Um, sure. Because I, A, that's one of my big struggles or was one of my big struggles along with perfectionism. So you can imagine how these two things go hand in hand, right? I'm comparing myself to others and I'm holding myself to an excruciatingly high standard while I'm doing it. Right. And the thing I think that it's important to recognize for people that have this particular struggle who feel less than when they look at others is that social media amplifies this mm, mm, exponentially. Mm, mm. So we've had a couple of people ask if the podcast will have a Facebook group. It may have a form of communication for listeners. It will not be Facebook. And the reason is I'm not on Facebook. And the reason I'm not on Facebook is I learned that looking at other people's highlight reels all day, right? And that's what social media is, right? We don't wake up in the morning and take a selfie of us with our bedhead and no makeup and 
big zit right on my forehead, right? We take pictures and we share things when we have something good to share or when we have something important going on. And looking at other people's highlight reels like that all day was just amplifying my own feelings of inadequacy and also amplifying my own drive to be perfect, neither of which was healthy. So I deleted my Facebook account. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made for myself. Now, I'm not advocating for deleting Facebook or getting off social media entirely. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Those don't bother me in the same way. But for me, getting rid of that basis of comparison was a really healthy choice. So I think it's important to just recognize that social media amplifies that and makes it or can make it much, much worse. Right. And this is this is the interesting nature of ADHD is that so it's proven that all social media has that effect on everyone, whether they have ADHD or neurotypicals. Right. When we do social media, it makes us feel worse because we all compare and people share and they share the good things. They're not sharing the bad things. They're not sharing the struggle. And so ADHD amplifies right those feelings and then when you couple together the glitchy activator with that and um, black and white thinking right the maximizing of that that expectation that we should have this sort of just unrealistic existence that doesn't exist in part and re- one of the reasons why we do that this is going to be another episode is the reason we do that is because we don't appreciate process, right? Process is about prioritization. Process is about the journey. And this whole kind of layout of this process of cause and effect is helping you understand what is actually going on, right? In both of these situations or all the situations that we've shared and the two that Shelly has shared, it's a matter of, again, kind of stepping back, recognizing what's going on understanding it right owning it of oh you know what i'm 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 this doesn't make me feel good and kind of seeing that being on facebook has repercussions and being at choice like you know what i don't have to do this i don't have to do everything that pops out of the idea generator i want to i want to use one more example you know, that as I was thinking about this and um, again, from the outside, the neurotypical is sort of looking at someone else, uh, someone in their family, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a, a child. And, and again, that kind of uh, just, just do what you, you know, just do what you need to do, right? Just link it together. And, and I want to think about like, you know, so when I was, I learned to sail when I was seven because my sister was the, was the camp sailing director. You know, she was cool. She was uh, seven. How old would she be? 15. She was 15 or 16. And I was eight, right? And uh, I would just, she let me hang out at the sail dock all day. And and how did I learn to sail, right? You have to try to rig the boat, a little sunfish, and get out there and sail. I think that where we were was this lake in Maine, right? Idyllic you know, 10, 10 mile an hour wind, no waves kind of a, and she's not going to put me out there in a situation where I can't be successful. But if you think about like asking your kid, 
you know, like, hey, just organize your notebook, right? And launch for the day to school and don't forget your lunch. In a way, it might be that you're asking them to, you know, rig your little sunfish and start sailing. But out in this effect area, it's sort of like it, it can be like you know, trying to rig that sunfish in the wave zone, right? You know, off the coast of Maui with 10 foot waves that are crashing. And it's, you know, how difficult is that to actually try to rig your boat and start sailing, making things happen? where you've got this fantastic, you know, wave propagation. And so the thing here is to do with your kid, with your spouse, and for the person with ADHD is to stop and look at the wave propagation. Look at what is causing this fantastic wave energy, right? It's coming from somewhere else. If you kind of just stop and try to stop doing what you're trying to do in that moment, and somehow if we can get back to what is causing all that wave energy, or for me with my Mount Rainier, it's like, okay, there's snowfall. And then what happens on Mount Rainier? Avalanches, right? They come down and wipe out, you know, trees in my effect area, bury me under, you know, feels like, oh my God, I have so much to do and overwhelm. But to really think about, okay, where, what is causing that? What are the different factors? That's to step back, find a friend to do it with, right? And then identifying those who are going to help you be successful to, can we either move the boat to a quieter place or can we quiet down that wave propagator in some way to be successful? Yeah. And this is where your lunch counter slash wall it's important to recognize, again, thinking about the wall in Game of Thrones, that this isn't easy, right? If it was easy for us to get to cause, to get to real cause as people with ADHD, well, for one, Cam and my profession would be sort of moot. <laughs> because that's... Yeah, that's, and, we wouldn't, and we wouldn't be doing this podcast right. either. <laughs> Thank God for that wall, Kelly. <laughs> Putting food on my table. Sorry, sorry. I'm joking. I, uh, no, I know listeners, you are. Listeners, that's a joke. It's a joke, listeners. I wouldn't wish this wall on anyone. No, no, neither one of us would. And, you know, part of the reason or most of the reason, all of the reason that we do what we do is we are people who benefited from coaching. We are people who benefited from getting to our own causes and understanding that though it is very difficult to do, and it takes time and it's a lifelong process, right? Neither one of us has solved ADHD and neither one of us is trying to. That by doing that work, we can be more successful. And by helping others learn how to do that work, they can also be more successful. And that's just a conversation that doesn't happen around ADHD. We stop at the lunch counter, we stop at the Brown model, and we think we're at cause, right? Get our list of symptoms of ADHD, right? Okay. We, th we think we're at cause, but we're still really at effect. Right. Here's one more thing to, I, I know there are people out there who are thinking, okay, so the goal here, what they're saying is to get to the mountaintop, right? To get to this, this destination place. No, that's not the goal. The goal is to see the relationship between these four elements, right? 
I know you destination people out there, right? It's like, um, I got to get to this place and this place will be the answer place. No, sorry. <laughs> um, we are destination thinkers and it's all about the journey, right? It's all about the process and the relationship between these four entities, right? The thing on the top of the mountain, the slippery slopes next to it in causation, the, the sticky places in effect and manifestation, and then this large barrier between cause and effect, what we're calling or I'm calling the lunch counter. And so stepping up and appreciating how they work with each other, that's the opportunity, how the four work. And if we can find like, we can find a doorway through that barrier, right? That's the name of the game to link cause and effect. And when we do that, then we have a sense of understanding and we don't go to this place of I suck, right? But we go to a place of, oh, okay, this is how this is impacting me. And this is creating that. And I know what to do here in order to mitigate that. Cam, I think that that's a great place for us to wrap up for today. That's such a lovely summary of what we're getting at here. So before we go, if you like what we're doing here, you could help us out by leaving a rating or review wherever you listen to the podcast. The show notes will be on the website, which is translatingadhd.com. We also have a contact form if you'd like to send your feedback there, or you can hit us up on Twitter at translatingadhd. Until next time, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.